Eli Drinkwitz admits something we kind of already knew about the quarterback position. Plus, I think the defense might be making a mistake with Darius Robinson. So let's talk about that and more at SEC Media Days right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And and to that point, apologies for missing yesterday's, well, program, I suppose, Well, life just got in the way, let's put it that way. But hey, we're a day late, but hopefully not a dollar short. And it was a fairly muted Eli Drinkwitz yesterday in Nashville, I thought, at least by his standards. Certainly the 2021 Eli Drinkwitz, the amount of bravado and swagger that he had in his Air Jordans that particular day might never be matched. And frankly, it's probably a good thing for Missouri that Eli Drinkwitz turned it down just a tiny bit. And I'll explain why. Listen, I want Eli to be Eli, especially in front of his team, use his personality. It's part of who he is. I don't want to hide who he is whatsoever. But at a certain point, maybe stop firing shots at other SEC coaches. We all enjoyed the Dan Mullen kerfuffle, but starts to wear a little bit thin when your team doesn't have a winning record overall. And and to that point, last season, Missouri was obviously really close to a big-time breakthrough season for Eli in year three. But, well, like they say about, what is it, horseshoes and hand grenades, right? And as actually Eli said himself yesterday, quote, last year close doesn't count. So he understands the magnitude of this season without a doubt. And interestingly, Drinkwitz has he said this yesterday, he said it before. He said he has, quote, no qualms about handing over play calling to his new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore. And and I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating, especially for those of you who aren't everydayers, and I know there are a lot of you out there. I think Eli Drinkwitz was a really good offensive coordinator and play caller, certainly his first year at Missouri in the year 2020. But I really believe that as time went along, and as the landscape of college football has changed so dramatically here, just in the past three seasons or so, of course I'm talking about name, image, and likeness, but maybe more importantly for this particular angle, is the transfer portal and how it's become de facto free agency. Bottom line, Eli Drinkwitz, a 40-year-old guy, father of four young daughters, all that I've just laid out to you, that seemed like he has a lot of time to be stuffing himself into the film room and figuring out the perfect play call for third down and six in the third quarter. I'm not so sure about that. So to me, I actually really admire Drinkwitz for being able to look in the mirror and say, hey, I need to be We need to be a little bit better offensively, and if that means that i got to take something off of my table, most guys can't do that. Most guys who are play callers, head coaches who are play callers, 
How often do you see them stubbornly just stick to their guns? We're kind of seeing it with Jimbo Fisher right now. We'll see how that plays out for Texas A&M. But personally, I admire Drinkwitz for, again, being able to self-evaluate and being humble enough to say, hey, I need to bring somebody else in and get a little more help. And hopefully, obviously, Kirby Moore will help whoever the new Missouri starting quarterback is this year. And I say new, well, it might not be a new guy because right now Brady Cook, according to Drinkwitz, will definitely be taking the first team snaps on day one of camp this August. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the starter. Drinkwitz was quick to point that out as well. Cook deserves to have the lead. He said that, look, Cook is attacked his rehab almost more aggressively than Missouri staff would have wanted at times. But so far, that plan has worked out well. Apparently, Cook is fully healthy, fully ready to go, and by all accounts, has improved his game a good bit this offseason. So Sam Horn and Jake Garcia are going to have their work cut out for them to get the number one job. But Drinkwitz did allude to something that a lot of people on the Missouri beat have been guessing at lately, which is that Drinkwitz is willing to go into the season, not only without naming a starter in week one, but maybe go the first couple weeks playing multiple quarterbacks. And I have to say, at first glance, I don't love that plan. I think in the next month, by the end of fall camp, if you can't figure out who your best quarterback is, well, I think the cliche that if you don't, if you have multiple, then you don't have one when it comes to the quarterback position, I think that'll probably end up being the case. I'm reminded of the 2002 quarterback competition. Yes, I'm that old, folks. I can remember that far back. That was just a joke for you college kids out there. All the 60-year-old people who listen and older than that even got really get really mad when I make old jokes about myself. But anyway, I'm just saying, folks, time has passed. But anyway, 2002, of course, Brad Smith ends up winning the job starting week one against Illinois, by the way, in St. Louis in the Dome. Not exactly North Dakota to start off the season or Middle Tennessee or whatever Abilene Christian. You know, not exactly a a layup opponent for your freshman quarterback. But Gary Pinkle, game week, he made the decision that he was going to start Brad Smith over Kirk Farmer. And obviously it paid off. But what I don't think would have paid off is, hey, well, maybe we'll start Brad and, well, maybe Kirk will play a little bit too. Obviously the Illinois game, unlike the start of the first two weeks of this Missouri season, doesn't really isn't conducive to that plan. But me personally, I, I don't want this relatively weak schedule here to start the season fool Missouri into something that I don't think they should do. Weirdly enough, Drinkwitz has been, in my opinion, fairly criticized for maybe not playing young guys as much in blowout, garbage time-like situations. Hey, Sam Horn is one of those guys, I think, that could have gotten more reps at times last season. So it's a little bit interesting to now hear Drinkwitz saying, hey, what the heck, maybe I'll play multiple quarterbacks. I think you just got to pick one going into the last week of camp, just like Gary Pinkle did 21 years ago with Brad Smith. Not saying that whoever they pick is going to be Brad Smith, but the point is, pick a guy, go with him, name your starter, and obviously if it if it looks bad after Kansas State in week three, then I think you reevaluate. But until then, I think that should be the plan for Missouri at the quarterback position. And obviously on the defensive side of the ball, at least right now, Missouri has a lot more answers 
than it does questions. But I guess the biggest question, defensive end. Who's going to rush the passer from the outside of Blake Baker's 4-2-5 front? Well, Darius Robinson, who was quite good on the inside for Missouri last year, looks to be moving outside, at least part-time for the Tigers. And honestly, this may be the Kansas City Chiefs bias talking after the Chris Jones experience, but I don't love this move whatsoever, at least right now. We'll see how it plays out, but personally, I would leave Darius Robinson inside. So I want to talk about that and also the other side of the big hog mollies. Let's talk about my take on the Missouri offensive line. But first, I want to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. You got to take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. For just 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first homer of the game. All on an app that's safe, secure, and really easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. And every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we're going to get to that SEC East swan song, including everything I believe the Tigers have to do this season to pull off that elusive and improbable SEC East crown, that third SEC East crown of their tenure in the conference. But you know what? I want to talk about Darius Robinson moving to the edge. Darius, by the way, I thought was looking especially dapper down in Nashville. Of course, I guess if if you're built like Darius Robinson, you can probably make just about any outfit look good, I suppose. On the other hand, Chris Abrams' drain looked like, well, that was the first time he had worn a suit in his entire life. The fit, not quite up to Darius's standards. But you know what? Chris, I'm sure, is going to be getting some pro football money soon enough, and he will step up his game. But you know what? In all seriousness, with Robinson potentially moving to the outside, at least for part of the time, I think that's the key here. It's not as though Robinson is not going to play inside this season. So I don't want to overreact here. But in terms of putting him on the outside, I don't want to see that a ton. Again, maybe it's my Chiefs fan bias here. Lots of you are Chiefs fans too, I suppose. I think the Chiefs defense last year really took off when Chris Jones, hey, they're experimenting with moving that the all pro three technique defensive tackle moving him to the outside at times and well I think when he just moved back to his three tech position again the whole Kansas City defense just got better in my humble opinion I think you could see a similar thing with Robinson here and and I, I understand the impulse Missouri does seem to have more depth on the interior than the outside certainly more returning production no doubt about that But to me, because Robinson was such an effective player last year at his position, I would just leave him where he was and just hope that you can 
make something. You can find enough bodies to make production at that defensive end slot. Rotate guys in and out. Keep them fresh. Drinkwitz said yesterday that actually made it official. I We'd heard the rumors of this. DJ Wesolak, the former Boonville Pirate, has moved back to defensive end from linebacker, which Drinkwitz says is his more natural position. So maybe Wesolak is a guy who you can give some production from, especially maybe just, hey, you tell him to go get the pass rusher, go get the quarterback as a just a straight pass rusher on third and ten. Rotate him in for those types of situations. And maybe Robinson is okay situationally in that spot too. But once again, I, I just think leaving him in his more natural position is a better move for the Tigers. And especially, hey, if this is a guy who seems to have NFL hopes, I, I think that you risk maybe hurting his stock a little bit if you move him to a less natural position of defensive end and maybe the production just isn't quite as there. You hurt his tape a little bit and hurt his stock. I don't think, obviously Missouri doesn't want to do that for 2023 production. They also don't want to do it for future recruiting pitches either. Now one thing a person could Leaped. Well, you could make a leap and say that, oh, this means Missouri is concerned about its defensive ends. A couple moves there. Not only Robinson, they're openly talking about him playing some on the edge, but Wesolak moving back to the edge after they moved him to linebacker last season at some point. Well, that does sound a little bit worrisome, but again, as I've said this offseason, Drinkwitz said it yesterday too, considering how often Missouri would bring extra guys in pressure, I'm just not sure that defensive end spot is as important as it would be for other teams. Frankly, Georgia last season obviously was tremendous defensively, better than Missouri, no question about that defensively. But my point is they were able to be that good defensively with not without being that particularly good at edge rush at edge pass rushing. That wasn't really their strength last season, but of course they had tremendous athletes at lots of other positions, first round picks at all types of other positions. Missouri isn't going to necessarily have that much talent and production, obviously, but still what I think is going to be a and at least a borderline elite defense this coming fall. Now, I already mentioned Darius Robinson and Chris Abrams Drain made the trip to Nashville, but Javon Foster, Missouri's stud starting left tackle, did as well, and he had some really encouraging words to say about Armand Mimbu, a young offensive lineman who is of a rather, rather large stature. Let's put it that way. And according to Foster, he says, yeah, he's different. For me, I've just never seen an offensive lineman come in like just so really like that. Like I know me, I was nowhere near where he is right now. So yeah, he's a very special player. Being the size of an offensive lineman, being able to move like a skilled guy, like, if you have that ability, you're special. So to me, after hearing that, knowing that Foster is obviously a pillar of that offensive line on the left side, he's an excellent player, sounds like Mimbu should be in there. Cameron Johnson, the transfer from Houston, sounds like he's going to be starting at center. So, And then the Eastern Marcellus Johnson, I believe. Sorry if I got that wrong off the top of my head. But Eastern Michigan transfer, Looks like he's going to start at right tackle. So four of the five spots on this line seem settled. And four of those five guys, actually, at this moment anyway, I have a fair amount of confidence in. To me, though, obviously, as I've said before on this program, 
your weak link on your offensive line is every bit as important as your strongest link because defensive coordinators, schemers today are just going to relentlessly attack that weak spot, even if it is from the inside. It's not like back in the day where, well, hey, in terms of pass rushing, if you just get a couple tackles, you'll be okay. That tends to be less and less the case as we move along in time here. So again, that fifth spot is very much a concern. No question about that. If Missouri can settle it, suddenly I'll feel pretty good about the offensive line. But at the same time, I would say, Every bit as much of a concern as that fifth spot, if not more so, is the depth, is the second string of this offensive line. Who are the obvious answers if there are injuries here? And frankly, that's another thing with the Missouri defense in general. If you look at, say, the linebacker position, I think obviously Tyron Hopper and Chad Bailey are very, very strong first first unit there, your top two. Who's behind them if there's a massive injury to either one of those guys, a significant injury to either one of those guys? I don't know that there's an obvious answer there. So, again, injuries, key for every single team in the country, obviously, but compared to, say, Georgia, the aforementioned two-time national champions, well, obviously they're going to be able to weather that storm a lot easier than a program like Missouri. And I think, again, health, is as much of a thing I'm going to be looking for from that line as anything. And, of course, SEC Media Days is usually our chance to hear from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. And usually when I hear him talk at these things, I think, yeah, this guy could be a politician, not only because he's a strong public speaker, but he can definitely BS a little bit, too. And i got to be honest, Commissioner Sankey's message today, I thought it was pretty muddled, not only muddled, but also tone deaf, too. So let's talk about that right after these quick words. And like a lot of politicians, well, Greg Sankey can tend to drone on for a long time. He likes the sound of his own voice. Hey, I'm guilty of that as well. No question about that. But since that's the case, I'm not going to read you all of Greg Sankey's comments, but I do think Dave Matter had a really good summation of it on his Twitter feed yesterday, so I'm going to read directly from that. Sankey, quote, only Congress can fully address the problems facing college athletics, end quote. This is now Dave Matter's words here. He says the NCAA conferences and the states cannot address the issues. Sankey, quote, these are nonpartisan issues that deserve a nonpartisan solution. Again, what a fine political statement that is. And I'll just point something out to you folks. Just because something is nonpartisan doesn't mean that it's good. In fact, bipartisanship has been at the forefront of some of the worst atrocities and injustices in this country's history. And I'm not going to get deep into any examples here, but I guarantee you no matter who you voted for in this past election or if you don't vote at all, you can think of an example where you go, oh yeah, I guess he's right. I guess I guess Republicans and Democrats did all agree to that, didn't they? Ooh, ouch. Pull on the old collar on that one, but you know I'm right. So again, nonpartisan, bipartisan, eh, that doesn't really do much for me. Let's continue here with Matter's Twitter feed. Sankey taking aim at state NIL laws, quote, our student athletes deserve something better than a patchwork of state laws, deserve better than a race to the bottom 
at the state legislature level. Woo, shots fired. Quote, to our knowledge, no state has taken action to enforce its own state laws. End quote. Sankey notes that some state laws bar the NCAA and the SEC from enforcing NIL laws. This is still matter here. Ahem, he's, ta- he's talking about Missouri, among a few others. He says college athletes want uniformity, not separate laws. Okay, well, let's let's attack that here from a couple different angles, too, because this whole thing of, oh, well, they're not even letting the NCAA and SEC enforce the laws, as if the NCAA and the SEC has shown any interest whatsoever in enforcing any laws the last few years in this sport. I think the Tennessee ruling was a pretty good indication that, eh, Okay, you can pay us some money, but we're not going to actually, you know, punish you in any real serious way in the future here. As if Greg Sankey has not been complicit in this creating this entire process of name, image, and likeness. He and the rest of the administrations and the people that he works for, they've all just thrown up their hands in this process. They say, oh, well, you can't use NIL as a recruiting inducement. Give me a freaking break. We all know that is false, and they're they're doing nothing to enforce it. So don't sit here and, and pass the buck to the Missouri legislature, for instance. Not that I have any particular love whatsoever for any big legislature in this country. I'm just focusing on Sankey here and how he's a powerful, well, well-paid man here who's taking no responsibility whatsoever. And now he's begging for Congress to bail them out of their terrible decision-making, I'm sorry, that's pretty pathetic from my vantage point. So let's continue here with Sankey. Sankey, quote, I am one who believes we should administer our own rules. In other words, not state legislatures. I'm sorry, wait a second, my head is now spinning. You said we should administer our own, so you mean the federal government should? Is that the we in this case? I'm very confused, but... I don't know. This whole thing, to me, it's just not only is it muddled in terms of I'm not even sure exactly what his specific beef is there at the end. He sort of undercuts his entire point, in my opinion. But also, I just think this entire thing is tone deaf because once again, all Greg Sankey is really thinking about is his partners, his administrators, you know, big time head coaches, Basically, Nick Saban and the University of Alabama, their administration, and Georgia, and that type of stuff, LSU, and to a lesser extent, Missouri, of course. But here's who they're not thinking about. Alabama fans, Georgia fans, and certainly not Missouri fans. Again, I've seen quite a few fans online complain in general about name, image, and likeness, Not a lot, though. It's not a huge complaint by most people that I see. But again, those are general complaints. I haven't seen a single solitary Missouri fan specifically complain about Luther Burden's potato chip deal, for instance, or his deal with Emo's Pizza or a car dealership or whatever it might be. In fact, I actually think that's been helpful to secure Luther Burden to Missouri. So this whole thing of, oh, well, we need we need equal laws. We need equality. Yeah, because God forbid, right, that Missouri actually had an advantage over Georgia 
one time. Because frankly, there's nothing that's equal about the state of Georgia and the state of Missouri. Those are very different places. They have unequal populations in terms of numbers, in terms of demographics. There's different public education. There's a million different factors there, different histories, everything in the world. So this idea that, oh, well, we just need equal laws and that'll be great. And so Georgia can just continue winning the next 20 national championships. I'm sorry. That's the most tone deaf thing I've ever heard in my entire life. No Missouri fan that I talk to cares about Luther Burden getting money from emos. But Greg Sankey seems to think that's the biggest deal in the world. But hey, Dominic Lovett, this guy that your son may have fallen in love with last year and gotten an autograph from, will have fun explaining to him why he's at Georgia this season. Listen, I'm not saying it's the end of the world or that Dominic Lovett should be tied to a goalpost in Missouri or something, but at the same time, I'm just telling you from a fan's perspective, that's a big, bigger deal than NIL. And for the, for you to sort of ignore all of the implications of de facto free agency and just push it all off to Congress to solve this other problem. I'm sorry. Often I'm impressed when Greg Sankey talks, not this year. And once again, thanks for making locked on Mizzou your first listen every day and every day is tomorrow on the show. Once again, we're going to talk the swan song of the SEC East, not only for Missouri, of course, but the entire conference, the implications, the history, and Missouri's chance of taking it for a third time. Let's talk about all that tomorrow, right here on Locked on Mizzou.